0: It's amazing what just even a minute of, of two of like dozing off in the afternoon, it's like rebooting
1: your computer.
0: It's so valuable.
1: Hi, welcome to the Feel Well podcast from Foundation Health. My name is Danica Johnson. I'm your host. Hey everyone, welcome back to Feel Well with Foundation Health. Like I said, my name is Danica Johnson. Today, we're going to be talking with Damiana Korka of the Korka Center for Sleep and Radiant Health. Um, we had had her on the podcast for our first episode, and she is back again by popular demand. Stay tuned for some tips for improving your sleep tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, this is Damiana Korka, and I am...
0: Um... An acupuncture, we specializing in sleep issues, and we come every month at Foundation Health, actually twice a month, and, and do acupuncture for Foundation
1: Health uh, members. Okay, first, can you talk to us about what good sleep looks like?
0: So good sleep, um, falling asleep within 15, 20, 30 minutes maximum, and uh, sleeping through the night, it is actually okay to wake up once, twice maximum but once would be better and going to the bathroom to the restroom and such it's fine as well as long as you go right back to sleep um and waking up in the morning feeling refreshed and ready to go that's basically good sleep and and how many hours that could be seven for some people seven and a half eight even eight even nine hours depending on the person and depending on the age and such so everyone is different we typically sleep in hour and a half chunks so every hour and a half we repeat the sleep cycle and so if we sleep five cycles that will be seven and a half hours and if we sleep sleep um, an additional one it would make um, nine hours so so People who sleep six hours is not quite enough. It's quite rare, I should say, yeah, that people can do well with six
1: hours, but some people can't do. Is there like a, an ideal time to be going to sleep or is that different for everyone?
0: Ideally, we would fall asleep somewhere around 9.30, 10.00, 10.30. Um, in Chinese medicine, for example, uh, we always recommend that you are asleep by 11 o'clock because of the organs that... Um, kick in at certain times. And so for example, you definitely want to be asleep by 12, 30 or one o'clock since the liver time in Chinese medicine kicks in around that time. And also even in allopathic medicine, I think we want that time in the middle of the night to be able to recover and such. But everyone is a bit different. Some of us tend to go to sleep later, some earlier. You just kind of have to find your rhythm and go go with that.
1: How about, can you talk to us about what insomnia is? I feel like people might have some confusion there. So insomnia
0: can look in many different ways to people. Um, They can have trouble falling asleep, and then once they fall asleep, they're fine. Um, But it might take an hour or two to fall asleep um, and such. Or if they fall asleep just fine, they might wake up in the middle of the night around one or two o'clock and have a hard time going to sleep for an hour or two or, or at all. And some people simply wake up a bit too early in the morning around even five o'clock when they really want to wake up at six and they feel tired and such and then some people sleep through the night they feel like they sleep seven eight nine hours and, and then they wake up exhausted and then in that case we need to look further is it just in some sort of insomnia, or you don't achieve deep sleep, or is there a possibility of sleep apnea where you get interrupted breathing, that's when you wanna uh, go see a sleep medicine doctor and, and get a sleep study to see exactly what is happening. And can you tell us what a sleep study is? A sleep study um, it can be at home or in lab uh, but basically it, it me- um, the most basic one it will measure your your breathing and then it can get more and more details so but gotcha. it basically it will tell us if if you're breathing correctly throughout the night if or if your breathing is is interrupted and it can even measure your oxygen levels so it can get pretty pretty in-depth. But um, we want to make sure you're breathing correctly at night because sleep apnea can be very dangerous and there can be different levels of it and different types and such.
1: Just out of curiosity, does sleep apnea run in families or insomnia? Is there there like a genetic component? There There can be a genetic component for both sleep apnea and insomnia for sure.
0: Interesting. That doesn't mean that we have to have it. If our parents did, then uh-huh. it doesn't. That also doesn't mean that it cannot be solved. The you most important thing to, to remember is that we don't have an on and off switch button. So it's good to um, have some time in the evening to wind down, to put your phone and computer away if possible and prepare your bed, brush your teeth, have some tea, do some journaling. And maybe that will be the first time during the day when you actually feel your body and breathe and feel what you feel and not try to run away from things. Um, typically, when we do that, we, have, we can sleep better because we are more peaceful and our
1: nervous system calms down. Just a question that came to mind. I know sometimes people will use like a noise machine or they'll um, like listen to a podcast as they're falling asleep. How do you, what do you think about that? Is it like kind of keeping your brain stimulated when you really just need silence or is it just depend on the person?
0: so having a white noise machine can be very beneficial it can be very soothing to the nervous system as far as podcasts go i do recommend it sometimes but i'm very careful how i recommend it so i tell people at the beginning while we start doing treatments um if they lay there in bed they're too tired to get up and go to a different room or just get up and read Um, but their mind is anxious and thinking about this and that and the other thing and they're too anxious to even breathe deeply just breathing deeply makes them feel anxious i feel like that's a good time to use a podcast just to engage their mind with something else it's just some sort of a temporary solution though i don't recommend this for long term Uh, but, but it can be helpful not to put pressure on yourself like you gotta breathe you got to relax, and then you're more anxious because of that in itself. Sure. Um, so it can be useful, and but you ha- every person is different, so you want to make sure it doesn't make you feel more active and more excited about what's happening in that podcast.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And then moving into some of the things to avoid, can you talk to us about um, like exercising late at night? What people can do there.
0: So definitely um, for most people, um, it's not advised to exercise late at night because there is a natural kind of a release of cortisol when we exercise and that will keep us up as well. Um, So some people are fine. Most people are fine exercising somewhere before or around 5 or 6 o'clock. Some people are really, really sensitive and you will know if you're that person and you have to exercise more like way before even lunchtime uh, because it for some reason you can feel the energy still rushing through your body even later in the evening but that's more aware but definitely to keep in mind and then obviously having a relatively early dinner so Mm -hmm. at least two three hours before you decide to go to bed and that's healthy for other reasons too for the digestion and for um make sure to make sure you don't get any acid reflux and such
1: yeah um, in that same vein um are there certain foods to that might be helpful in falling asleep or foods to avoid obviously caffeine obviously yes
0: caffeine avoid caffeine i am very conservative because i've have i have met some very sensitive people to caffeine so um i would say before 10 a.m um, if you need caffeine after that, then you have to look at why do you, you need caffeine to keep going after 10 a.m. Hmm. Even noon is okay, I suppose. Um, another one, it's sugar. Not to have a lot of sugar in the evening, uh, it will wave you up and, and makes you more anxious and more active and such. For some people, um, I've asked people to keep journals and they've noticed that red meat um, hmm. can be too hard on their digestion and, and they have more restless sleep or even nightmares. Hmm. Um, and other than that, it gets very complicated, um, uh, after that, um, as far as food goes, but those are kind of general.
1: Yeah. That's all General ideas. And then can you talk to us too about, um, Your thoughts on taking naps during the day? I love naps so much. If I could take naps, I would take
0: naps every day. But Sometimes it's just not possible. So there are different school of thoughts around naps. But in general, I would say that if you take a nap between somewhere between one and three o'clock, just for 20 to 30 minutes, I ask my patients to just lay down. Uh, put a t- put a tar- timer or an alarm clock so they don't they don't oversleep and also they don't keep thinking how long has it been. Um, and I tell them that it doesn't even matter if you if you fall asleep or not, as long as you lay down and rest for a little bit. Um, it's very helpful. We have a natural drop in temperature in the afternoon, and we have a much bigger one in the evening, and that's one of the reasons we feel groggy and sleepy. And also we have a small release of melatonin in the afternoon. So we are built and we're made to take naps. We just tend to not honor that. Um, I have noticed this for my patients and for myself too, that we, it's amazing what just even a minute of, of two of like dozing off in the afternoon, it's like rebooting your computer. It's so valuable. And then people who are very sleep deprived, if they keep that nap very short and every day, it helps them sleep better at night. Because once you're very, very sleep deprived, the, m- the more tired you are, the harder it is to even fall asleep and stay asleep. The, the brain is quite active at night. In some aspects, it's- it takes more energy to fall asleep and stay asleep than to than to be awake.
1: So Damiana, we talked um, about some pretty general tips for uh, sleep. Any other comments that you'd wanna make as we close?
0: So these tips can be quite helpful for many people, but I, I would like to also say that um, if insomnia was that simple, a lot of us would just do it and none of us really would have uh, such a big problems as I see it in my patients with insomnia. So it's much more complicated. Um, though these tips can be really helpful for many people. So it could be hormonal issues and neurotransmitters and gut issues and um, heavy metals seem to affect. Uh, heavy metal accumulation and overload in the body can affect uh, sleep. There's studies that show that. And it's just more complex than I would like to say it is. Um, so if you're having trouble and you're feeling a bit desperate and you feel like all these people like keep giving you the same tips and over and over again, then then it is time to look a little bit deeper, deeper and see what exactly is happening. Where is the problem where your body can't go back to that normal sleeping pattern that hopefully you've had at some point, at least as a child.
1: Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Feel Well from Foundation Health. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Send me feedback. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what you'd like to hear in future episodes. My email is danica, D-A-N-I-C-A, at experiencewell.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, let us know what you think. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.